Seinfeld, the fatigues are over, but we're just getting started here on the Seinfeld Post Show Recap. And now, here are the two guys who are clearly hacked. I'm Rob Sisterino. Here's Akiva Winokur. Keith, how are you? How's it going, Rob? Very good, Keith. What's going on? Not much. I got uh, about 10 little kids running around my house. It's 11 o'clock hey, at night. And I lo- <laughs> why do you have 10 kids at your house? Not 10. I think it's five. It's five. five. Three of mine and like two of my nieces, but... uh it's 11 o'clock, and I lost my will to live at like 9.30, but they, I still hear them. They're awake. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we're talking about the fatigues here today, Keith. Keith, did you ever attend a Jewish singles night in your the short time of your life before you were married? I mean, it would have had to be when I was 18. How weird would it be to go to like a singles event when you're 18, right? Uh, yeah. What, what do they call that? It's just like a dance, right? Yeah, that's like they call it like prom, I think. <laughs> it's like everybody's single, right? I don't think they let you in at these events till you're like 21, probably. Yeah. Okay. Well, you could be, you know, imagine going to a singles event at being uh, 21 years old. Like everybody will be uh, courting you. You have your pick of the litter. I mean, this is an old crowd there. Yeah. Like the, the Frank Costanza crowd. I don't know. I don't know uh, how interested they would have been in 21 year old Akiva. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's a Frank Costanza crowd, is it? I, I got to take a look at who's there. I know the mentor is there. Yeah. She's old. Yeah, I got to see, I get a good look, uh, go back and do the crowd work of uh, who are all the other people that are at the singles uh, party at the end of the episode. Anyway, but yeah, Frank Stanza cooking, got some uh, great stuff here. Uh, Banya doing material about Ovaltine, uh, lots of fun stuff in the fatigues, Keeve. Uh Yeah, you know, some of the season eight and nine episodes are not like really viewed properly as classics because like, you know, by the time they would have been viewed as anything, the show went off the air. But there's really like a lot, a lot here that is, that is just so great. Yes, uh, a lot to uh, sink our teeth into, and I'm not just talking about the Kugel. Do people know, you know, in Adam Sandler's fourth and I hope final Hanukkah song, um, he, he uses Kugel in a Kugel in a, um, in a in a verse. And I thought that was like a little bit too inside baseball. Like people don't know Kugel, do they? No, I don't know what it is. If you gave me like a multiple choice of what it is, I might be able to figure it out. But, you know, if it, is it a pastry? Is it a noodle? Is it? I, I, I don't know. It's not. Uh, it's not a noodle. It's it's mostly potato. It's mostly potato kugel. So it's uh, I don't even know how to explain it. It's okay. it's like it's like um, I guess it's like a casserole kind of. Casserole I don't know. You have like Google of. images it and you'll, you, you figure it out like it's Google it's hard image to, it. It's it's a little bit like a quiche, actually. But it's yeah. good. Like there's no such thing as a good quiche. But kugel is good. OK. All right. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> All right. So uh, we're going to get into that. Uh, depending on, I guess, where uh, the uh, the weekend falls. I, this could be the first uh, Seinfeld Post Show recap of 2017. Yeah, I think it depends on like what time, because that Scott usually puts it up Saturday night or Sunday, but well, then he's he also on New the West Coast. Plans. Yeah. Or maybe he's got New Year's Eve plans. Or also like, I don't know if he's putting it up and it's like, it's, you know, 11 p.m. for him. But then it's 2 a.m. on the East Coast. Like, does iTunes yeah. go by where so you're probably uploading there's no it? chance unless you have a really bad New Year's Eve. There's no chance you're listening to this in 2016. Well, no, I mean, Chester will be listening within 30 seconds of it being uploaded. Yeah, I guarantee he has no New Year's Eve plans. <laughs> well, he has a newborn. Uh, yeah, that's true. He has got, he's got that to ignore. I, I, I mean, listen, if it gets posted before 12, I'm sure someone's going to listen. Yeah, to so it. happy New Year to all the listeners of the Seinfeld Poster Recaps and Keith, now that it's 2017, we've entered the final year of the Seinfeld post-show recap. That's right. Unless we go really slow. Unless we go really slow and decide to milk it. But right now, yes, that in September of this very year, 
we will reach the end of the nine seasons of Seinfeld. Um, I mean, yeah, or like the end of the universe sometime this summer. Who knows? Anything oh, yeah, we happen. may not even get there. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, global warming and everything. Who knows? Anything yeah. could happen. I mean, it'd have to get really hot really quick for us. To Very quick. It's like one degree a year. It'd have to go up like 50. Really. Yeah. Quick. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Okay. All right. So, Keeve, uh, a lot to talk about here. Uh, how do you have any New Year's resolutions? Podcast less. Podcast less. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, do I? I oh, I'd I like to lose weight this year. Yeah. I'd like to. No, I want to podcast more. I'd like to lose weight this year, um, but like not really do anything to lose weight. Like eat the same, just like lose weight. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's possible. But like be active more then. No, that well, that's not part of my resolution. Ideally, I would just lose the weight. Yes. Do you have a plan to do, go out and do that? I mean, hoping, I guess, mostly. Yeah. Like hope I'm going to lose it. No, yeah. I, I maybe eat healthier. I cut out um like diet. I, I like I didn't drink any calories this year mm-hmm. and it didn't help. Like I feel like I didn't lose weight. I didn't gain weight. Like no more soda or juice or anything like that. I only drink water or diet soda. Oh, they also say diet soda is like way worse than regular. I don't. So I, I could be dying of that. Who knows? Yeah. Well, you drink a lot of diet. <laughs> a lot. I have like a bottle a day. I'm like Mike Francesa. Wow. I have like a two liter bottle of, Coke? of Coke Zero every day. Coke Zero. Coke Zero. Every day. Yeah. Yes. I, I like put them by my desk and then at the end of every week I'll have like six empty bottles. Yes. And then my wife will come in and like beat and hit me with them because she's so mad. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, the, so um, what, do you have a New Year's resolution for 2017? No, but I'm going to get into that over the weekend. We're recording this on Thursday, the 29th. And I feel like that I had a lot of stuff to get through during the week. But I feel like that over the next couple of days, I'm going to do uh, some real mulling over what I'm going to be doing. But I do would, li- would like to get healthier. I'd like to get more organized and would like to be more motivated in 2017 overall so just very vague sort of like big picture broad strokes but uh that's where my mind is headed all right all right that sounds like more serious than mine but um you know who knows who knows what 2017 has in store i mean think about all the free time you're gonna have in september yes yes okay (laughs) what you mean like if if the world ends or 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 just the podcast ends okay all right well what What could you do with those two hours every wednesday who knows who knows like you could like cure a disease i mean i not a serious one probably just take a nap but still yeah (laughs) all right let's get into talking about uh the fatigues keeve uh this is from halloween night october 31st 1996 was this a missed opportunity for seinfeld to do a halloween story or do you feel like that they sort of you know touched uh like uh tangentially that it's sort of like a, a horror story that happens well i think that's a stretch that this is a horror story but, you know, sometimes when they write War the episode, hell, they don't know Keith. exactly what week it's going to air. Yeah. Because also, like, they, it skipped, you know, they like, the last episode skipped a week. Like, it was the first week they skipped in season eight. Where, so, like, maybe they thought originally that this would air on the 24th, and who knows what was happening. Okay. Like, I, was the World Series maybe involved? Who knows what was going on on NBC? So, like, it's possible they didn't know it would air that night. Yeah. Uh, I believe the 96 World Series was on Fox. It might have been the first year of the Fox baseball package. Was it? Oh, I, I have like visions in my head of like Costas announcing. No, the I feel like Wade Joe Boggs Buck catching it. Uh, was was there. Uh, let me see. I mean, I don't know. This might just be like, a, I don't know why that sort of uh, burned in my in my head. But we'll see. Uh, 96 World Series TV. This is what like my friend. Oh, yeah, you're right. The first year ever of Fox. Pretty good call by you. Yeah. I don't know why. That but was- then NBC had it again. And 90- oh, they switch. They used to switch off. So Costas was 97, 99, but it was the first year of Joe Buck. Yeah. OK. 
All right, Keith. So uh, here we are. The fatigues uh, written by Cavett and Robin back the dynamic duo. Uh, yeah. Andy Robin doesn't even have a uh, Wikipedia page. Yeah. Uh, by the way, did you contact the writer of last week's episode on Twitter? I did. I contacted her right after and she ignored it. OK. All right. Well, maybe she's just thinking about a response. Yeah, or, you know, she hasn't tweeted in a while. It's possible she hasn't uh, logged on. Yeah, she's... she's there should be read receipts on Twitter like like they have on, like, WhatsApp and, and messaging and stuff. Okay. Uh, also, just one other follow-up from last week where you uh, proposed that I should go a week without tweeting, but I decided that I could not even attempt to do that. But I think you did a good job. I don't think you tweeted much in the last I, I really tried not to be on Twitter a lot. I, I was basically like using it for work purpose, but I wasn't just sitting there like refreshing in a million. But I, I did spend a lot of time away from the computer uh, over the last week. But, you know, I still yeah, need I see only a few tweets from you since like the 22nd. That's yeah. Good. And I, I bet most of them are either what I like, what I do. I responded to people or I, I don't think I had any uh, like, you know, um, the Probably not very many. Very, a slow week on the Twitter for me. I think I asked people to give me their best moments from Rob as a podcast over the year, and I might have, uh, you know, clarified some things. You know, but it's not really the tweeting that takes the time. It's like the reading, leaving it open all day and reading it. Right. I, I did take a week off of reading other people's tweets. <laughs> That's, That's good. Oh, really? You didn't read anything? No, I mean, I read the, I read my mentions. I mean, I think that when I'm most productive, I, I read my mentions, but I don't look at the timeline of what other people are tweeting. Yeah, especially when you follow 2,000 people. Right. Um, because if stuff is actually important, like, I, I'll find it out anyway. Like, uh, sure. Really, yeah, it'll get, it'll get to you. Right. Someone will be like, hey, Rob, what do you think about thing X? Right. And you'll get to I, I think I did send some, like, I, I found that I, I'm becoming like, uh, like the Jets beat writers. I'm like a very antagonistic with, but, uh, uh, and it, when they say that the Jets coach uh, shouldn't be fired, I was like, uh, well, what, I guess, I guess he should stay. You know, I'm very, very, uh, very uh, snarky and, and angry with them. Yeah. They, the Jets really like break their beat writers. Like they're the, literally the most cynical people in the world. The, the Jets, Jets beat writers. Okay. Well, I'd love to have an, a, a uh, yeah, I don't think conversation one person about cares this. about yeah. this. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Anyway, so let's get into talking about the fatigues. Uh, I believe this is the first time that we have a actual scene uh, like in the opening of the episode that actually has to do with the episode here in season eight. Yeah. I, one of the things is that y- y- like the episode doesn't really like get moving until the middle of it. And I do think it was not, I don't want to say rush, but it's very like, you know, it's ping pong back and forth between a lot of things in the last like six, seven minutes. So you can't really waste any time here. They had to get it right into the meat of it. Okay. And so we have a woman, I believe her name is Abby and uh, that is Jerry's new girlfriend. And she has an interesting relationship where she has a mentor. She is the protege of another woman key have you ever been a mentor or a protege no i can't imagine me being a mentor and i've never really been a protege no the the weird thing about men or protege is like most of the time even if you have a mentor or you 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 know you have a protege like it's not explicit it's not like this is my mentor you know you don't sign a contract sometimes it is Uh, yeah i mean this episode but i think more often it's like this is my boss and i respect him and he's not he's like my professional hero or something and like or like i look up to him so that's like the person i would model myself after but and that's my mentor also in the entrepreneurial world like i do think that there is like 
formal like mentor and um, protege relationships that are out there. I mean, I guess, but like, I, you know, will you I don't be know. My mentor, will you, you know, can I be your protege? Like that, sure. that does happen as well. Yeah. Like you got to put a ring on it or else someone else is going to steal your mentor. Right. Right. Can you have two mentors? Can you have two mentors? No, not at the same time. I don't think I, I think you could. Well, you could have two proteges. I'm sure. Right. Yeah. Can you have two proteges? I guess so. I guess it's sort of like, uh, you know, who's your favorite. But I think that, you know, you can have like unofficial like, oh, this, you know, so and so is my mentor. I want to be like them. But I don't know necessarily if you can officially have multiple mentors. Now, Keith, what would be more interesting to you? Would you rather have a mentor or a protege at this point in your life? I think probably rather have a mentor because protege, I wouldn't respect the protege. You know, I'd be like, what if is that, am I the best you could do? Yes. Like you could definitely find a better mentor than me. So it would have to be someone really like either young or um, like, I, I don't think I'm like the highlight of my week is like, I'm, I'm um, refereeing. I'm like judging a, a an eating, an eating contest this weekend. Judging an eating contest. Yeah, which is really like I think that's it for me. I think I can retire on top now. This has like been my big goal. What are people? I'm judging eating? an eating contest. Uh, Cholent, which is a, a, a Jew, another Jewish food that does not get mentioned in this episode, but it's like it, you know it's in the same class as kugel. Um, it's like it's like beef stew. Okay, and how did you get to be the judge? Because you know what that is. I I said like it's my destiny in life to be the judge, and you have to let me do it. And they're like, all right. And uh, and I even like went out this week and got a referee's uniform. Okay, and is it like a Joey Chestnut type thing where people have to? So eat it's not an eating contest. Yeah. No, it's not an eating contest. Is it's it... a cooking contest. Oh, so it's like who made the best one? It's like the who made the best one? Correct. Yes, <laughs> it's like it's like Top Chef. Okay, got it. If it was an eating contest, that would be in the contest. I wouldn't be able in to be con- a judge. I got don't it. Think. Got it. Got it. Um. So, yeah, so maybe there might be some protege who wants to be a food eating judge that might want to follow you and shadow you. Maybe. But also it's more like if this was like the highlight of my week, then like I feel like you could do better than me as, you know, as a man for a mentor. Yeah, I think I'd be open to either, you know, uh, you know, a really good mentor relationship or a really good protege relationship. I'd be open. Do you have your Do you have your eyes on a mentor? Like, who would be your mentor? Um, I don't know. It'd be hard because of what I do. Like, if I had a mentor, like they would be like probably like so big that they would not. Want oh, look at Mister Big Shot! Like well, you, you're saying you can't have a mentor that's not so big. And then you're worried that your mentor is going to be so big that he's not going to have time for you or right. he's not even going to like become your mentor. Right. I mean, I the just, ego on this guy, you might just want a protege at this point. I may be. I'm very open to uh, finding a mentor. But are you open for a protege at this time? I know you're very busy. Yeah. If they were the right protege. Sure. So you're, you're taking rec- you're taking applications, but it's not like the first person that tweets at you and says, will you be my mentor? No, you're I'm, saying not dying, yes. well, I'm not dying to have a protege. Can we start like a B Rob's protege contest? No now? more contests, Keith. <laughs> I'm out. Twenty. We'll have twenty different proteges, um, and it'll be like uh, it'll be like uh, American Idol or The Voice. Even in one of the rounds, we'll actually make them sing, um, and then the winner gets to be a protege for a year, and then you could like renew their protege contract on a year to year basis. It sounds good. It is a good idea. I think like this is you have a lot of free weeks of podcasting coming up with. Uh, you know, between uh, seasons of TV shows. I feel like this is what you got to do. Okay. Protégé contest. <laughs> All right. So we have uh, the protégé. Abby is asking Jerry, uh, you don't have anybody that you follow, like someone that, you you know, guides you in your career path. And he says, well, I like Gabe Kaplan. Yeah, it's a funny joke. I, it's funny, like the idea that like they're on the same level. 
Yeah. <laughs> like Gabe Kaplan, you know, couldn't even get a gig, uh, like a gig on like comedians in cars getting coffee now. Yeah, Jerry, like he wouldn't stoop that low to have. But, but what about in 1996? Uh, I mean, it was Gabe Kaplan uh, who played uh, was the lead in uh, Welcome Back, Cotter. Uh, could could he have guessed it on Seinfeld if he wanted to? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if he's getting mentioned, yeah, he probably could have guessed it. Okay. The problem is he looks much different now. Yeah. <laughs> he plays a lot of poker. That's like his big thing now, I think. He I feel like this a lot is not the first time we've mentioned Gabe Kaplan on this podcast. Well, I, I'm a big Welcome Back Cotter guy, so I've, I would always mention. <laughs> so he's your mentor also. Um, Like, maybe comedically, he's my original mentor. I think that, first of all, like, the idea that, you know, like, his students would come through the window into his house is pretty funny. Yes. <laughs> like, you imagine just, like, going, in, going to your teacher's house through their window and not getting shot? It's, like, a funny idea. Yes. So who is so uh, you are more of a Gabe Kaplan over Gabe Kapler? Oh, I like them both. Listen, they're both on my team. If you know what I mean, Gabe Kaplan <laughs> and Gabe Kapler. Um, <laughs> I don't think I do know what you mean. <laughs> well, they're both in the tribe. Oh, Gabe okay. Kaplan and Gabe Kaplan. I, th- I, I didn't know that's what you were saying. You were going for <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, I like both. I like I'd say Gabe Kapler is like Gabe Kaplan's my comedic mentor and Gabe Kapler is my like. I, I mean, I have very specific mentors. That's what I do, right? Yes. So I don't have like one mentor for like life. I have so like he's my '70s sitcom mentor, Gabe Kaplan, and I'd say Gabe Kaplan is my fourth outfielder men- <laughs> uh, mentor. Yes. That's like his thing. <laughs> Hallelujah! It's raining mentors right now. <laughs> oh boy! Like you know, Joe McEwing is my like utility man. Uh, you know, mentor. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so uh and remind me of air i have a funny joe mcewing uh story for you yeah that's that's a nice thing to do to the audience like <laughs> not tell them the joe mcewing story <laughs> yeah it's a it's it's too inappropriate it's too inappropriate maybe maybe in the fi- in the final episode anyway uh so george and jerry are in the apartment and uh george doesn't understand that abby has a mentor uh he doesn't understand the menti protege relationship I guess the the mentee is the protege. Yeah, I don't know. Right, mentee. Right. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't think uh, anyone understood until Seinfeld really let let us in on it. I'm not sure, like how well known it was before this. Yeah, I, I wonder if maybe in uh, writing for television specifically, uh, that's an area where the mentor and the protege is a very specific relationship. I mean, that would be interesting if like certain types of jobs. Especially you're like maybe the assistant in a writer's room or something. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the type of thing. Also, that makes sense to have a mentor. Because you want them to read your stuff. Right? Yeah. And also, it's like all you need to know in that business. If you know, if there's one person who likes you, like when they write their own show, they just hire you and that's it. Yeah. So you almost want like I will take. Yeah. If someone wants to be like my not that I'm a writer, but if someone wants to be my like uh, if they work in a sitcom and they want to hire me to sit around and eat Chinese food, I'm up for that. Right. Like my mentor, like who's going to sit there and they're going to. You know, and then they listen to the podcast and then uh, like uh, they'll give me like advice on hosting the podcast. Well, I guess that's everybody in the comments, right? Yeah, you have hundreds of mentors, I guess. <laughs> they're just like they curse at you. All. <laughs> but I don't know if they actually know what they're talking about or not. Or they're just like, a oh, lunatic. they do. I'd say anyone in the comment section is pretty much, you know, you could listen to anything they say. You could take that <laughs> as uh, yeah. canon. <laughs> I get a ton of advice. I don't know actually what's good and what's not. That's the problem. But what if your mentor just like read the comments for you and told you what to listen to and what? Yeah, to no, that's a good one. Re- yeah, that's good. Yeah, I need a comment mentor. A, co- a commentor. 
Yeah, I, we could like I'm I'm sure we could find someone to do that for you. Wait, so I, the hashtags are flying already, Keith. Yeah, the information about Seinfeld trickling in, but the hashtags are coming. Drips <laughs> and drabs. All right, so George has a book on risk management. Uh, he has to give a lecture on their area of business expertise. Apparently, this was in George's resume. Risk management, Keith. You buying that? Oh yeah, I mean George is a huge liar. Like that's one of the best places to lie on, right? Your when I, my first time I did my resume in college, like uh, I just basically copied and pasted my friends and then just put in like my jobs. But like he's like he wrote, you know, I remember like he's like at the end it was like other interests like travel, uh, proficient in like qualaga, you know, like and I just I just copied that and put it in for like the first few jobs I applied for. Like I'm not my, like the biggest lie I've ever told is that my hobby is traveling. Mm -hmm. My like my hobby is staying put. Keith, going back to how George got this job, if we go back to, I believe it was the season five finale in the opposite, George walked into George Steinbrenner's office and said, Mr. Steinbrenner, how you've run this team has been an embarrassment. Are we supposed to believe that he embellished a resume before going in there and telling off Steinbrenner? I mean, of course. Like, he, why wouldn't he have embellished Because he was doing the opposite when he got that job. Yeah, that's good. But I, I feel like... Normally, George would lie about like one thing here. He's just like the opposite is just lying about something else. Like <laughs> that he's still incapable of telling the truth for George. Yeah, I, there's no way he's going to have a resume. And also, it's possible his resume was written before he did the opposite. Mm -hmm. Right. So he didn't update his resume. No, like, no, that's a lot. Of, especially back in that day. It's not like you could just go on the computer and yeah, you, you, know, have, you have a up, file. It, it's out, just yeah. like there. Yeah. All right. So uh, the phone rings. Please hold for Elaine Bennis. Uh, at least the second time that that's happened. And so. Uh, that George is also complaining about the book and he is ruined. He only likes books on tape. Uh, boy, that George Costanza had no idea how good it was going to get with that book on tape stuff. Yeah, I mean, did it get bad? I mean, I guess with like Audible and stuff, yeah, oh, the it became audio a much bigger industry. Is, you know, is incredible. Well, you're Mr. Auto Audio. Love the audiobooks. Got some new uh, Bluetooth uh, speakers so I, and I can listen to an audiobook in the shower. Well, wow, that's a real that's real dedication. Like I'm a big podcast listener, but I don't have any, uh, you know, like shower capabilities. I mean, I could like bring a computer in or something, but I don't have like real a setup. But that's you know, maybe I don't shower as much as you do. I'm not. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, got you. Got to get it. Got to get the Bluetooth speaker. Anyway, so here is Elaine, and she's calling up to ask Jerry, "Are you going to this Bob Sacamano party?" She seems very excited about a Bob Sacamano party. Keith, this did not ring true to me at all, that Elaine would be at all remotely interested in going to one of Bob Sacamano's parties. Yeah, and I'm like, we've never even seen him. We never see him. Like, it's clearly just Kramer's friend. It would be weird for Jerry to get invited. It's crazy that the, all the core four got invited. And that it looks like a nice party. I mean, this is the same Bob Sacamano that, uh, you know, gets rat hats. Uh, among yeah. many other things, uh, why Elaine would be any, like, are, are they forgetting that we like, did, is Bob Sacramento just an inside joke to the writer's room that I if, think so. And they don't realize that we also at this point know that Bob Sacramento has come up a million times. Yeah. I mean, Bob Sacramento, right. He's not a real person. Like he has rabies, you <laughs> right. know, like how did he, that was like five years ago. How's he even still alive? <laughs> yeah. So I that that was a, like what Elaine wants to go to Bob Sacamano's party. Yeah, I mean, there's we still get a bunch of Bob Sacamano in, in real life. Bob Sacamano was Larry Charles's friend. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
again, according to WikiSign, uh, Bob Sacamano uh, was once in a mental institution and electroshock therapy had no effect on him. Uh, also, he lives in New Jersey. He got a job at a condom factory. Also, he gives all the defective condoms. Uh, he, uh, want, Kramer indicates that Bob Sacramento uh, once stayed with him for a year and a half. So he does not seem like he has a lot of things going on, Bob Sacramento, in a good way. Right, but I get, if, if he really did stay with Kramer for a year and a half, if we're taking all this at face value, he had to have become at least friendly with the gang. Mm-hmm. Like, sure. you can't live in Kramer's house for 18 months and not meet Jerry and George and Elaine. But he is sending out party invitations that Elaine thinks are so nice that she wants to go to his party. Seems crazy. I, I mean, I, this guy's a lot up and down. Yeah. So, you know, it's possible that, uh, you know, maybe, maybe uh, Sacramento is uh, right now. He's at the fancy. He's coming to some money okay. from selling all like the rat meat or whatever. So what ends up happening is Elaine realizes the party was a couple of days ago. Uh, Jerry already went to it says it was a lovely affair. And so because the invitation was postmarked uh, three weeks old, it was just a matter of things getting stuck in the mailroom. She needs to fire the guy from the mailroom, which turns out to be Eddie Sherman. Uh, Jerry wants to listen in on the firing, but Elaine just hangs up the phone on him. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah, um, I, I did. I, you know, it is sort of like I would sort of like to listen to someone getting fired. But, uh, you know, Jerry's heartless. That's actually kind of mean. Yeah. Uh, also, George is falling asleep on the couch and Jerry just like starts uh, like uh, pegging him in the head with what? Peanuts? Oh, he's throwing something at him. Yeah. You'd think that neat freak Jerry wouldn't be throwing food around his house, but, you know, maybe he is going to pick it up immediately. I mean, that's what you get the, the mentor for. Like, if you're prote- that's why you're protégé. a mentor. Your protege picks up the peanuts. After. Yeah. All right. So Elaine meets with Eddie and, of course, uh, that she goes to fire him. But he appears to be some sort of like grizzled Vietnam vet. And Elaine decides that she's going to promote you. To not be working in the mailroom. I mean, he's a scary guy. Like, I sort of get it. I would, I, you know, I wouldn't want to fire this guy either. He could just shoot me. Yes. Uh, so Jerry and Elaine are at Monk's and Elaine is explaining that she uh, promoted him to copywriter and he can't be any worse at writing out this pointless drivel. Yeah, I mean, what does Elaine care? You know, you have five copywriters. It's not like, you know, you need, he's working on an assembly line and without him, it's, everything's going to go bad. Just like, you know, he he's a copywriter and you just don't use the stuff he writes. Who cares? Okay, so Kramer comes through. He has some flyers that he is putting together a Jewish singles night and uh, he wants everybody to go there. But uh, Elaine's not Jewish. Neither is Kramer. And uh, we find out that Lomez... Uh, it was Orthodox uh, Jewish, uh, and he's in the Everglades. Yeah, I don't know what he's doing in the Everglades. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, what was Lomez doing last week? Didn't Kramer sell his... Wh- what did he sell to Lomez for steaks? His stereo, right? Yeah, he stole his stereo for steaks. Yes, were they kosher steaks, Keeve? Yeah, that, that it's weird, right? I don't... You know, maybe Lomez was... Uh, here's what happened. Lomez bought steaks realize that they're not kosher and he's got nothing to do with them right so he get, he's like i'm gonna give them away but then kramer's like hey i'll give you my stereo for those steaks and then he really uh he gets off you know with it with a great right. deal he didn't even he couldn't use the steaks maybe he bought the steaks for the uh jewish singles night i guess that's possible yeah but um you know they would have gone bad this was that was two weeks ago yes only frank Costanza could have saved them at that point no i what two weeks you think is okay like three weeks wouldn't work but <laughs> but two weeks is fine yeah all right, so Kramer is cooking all of the food himself. 
uh, as the flyer indicates, a tempting schmear of authentic Jewish delicacies at the Knights of Columbus. What do you think about the word schmear? Uh, it's good. I'm I'm a fan. Uh, yeah. I mean, usually what's being schmeared? It's like uh, cream, cream cheese, cheese is being schmeared. Or lox, right? Yeah. Two foods that I find uh, repulsive. Oh, you really? You're out on both? Cream cheese is like abhorrent and lox is like a hate crime. It's disgusting. Oh, yeah. wow. So what do you put on a bagel? Butter? Uh, butter or tuna. Tuna? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's the difference between lox and tuna? This is like a totally different fish. Like, what's the difference between French fries and like, uh, you know, the, the uh, window? That's a ridiculous question. <laughs> French fries in a window? <laughs> Like lox and tuna are so different. At least they're both are fish. smelly. I mean, a window's not even food. <laughs> I mean, what if it's a chocolate window? A chocolate um, window. I, <laughs> I like the lox is disgusting, and tuna is <laughs> is is like the the least threatening of the fishes. Yes. Okay. Let me see. Uh, you know, I'm not, I I think I've seen lox. It looks like cream cheese, right? Lox doesn't look like uh, cream no, cheese. No, 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 no. That. Uh, I'm, I'm taking a look. So yeah, so it's like it looks like like a sliced salmon. Yeah, it looks like a sliced smoked salmon. Yeah, and is okay, and because that, that's what it is. It's it's brined salmon. Yeah, it looks like uh, like a thicker ginger. Yeah, can you get cream cheese that has locks in it? Is that where I'm getting uh, getting confused? No, I think they just come together. Okay, all right. I mean, maybe I'm sure they. I mean, they make everything. It's 2016. Yeah. No, I, I've but, never had a bagel and I thought about like, you know, it'd be good on this. How about some fish? I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. I'm not sure where it came from. Lox is essentially smoked salmon. They smell the same. What about herring? Do you know about herring? Uh, I know about a red herring. Oh, boy. I know a herring. Yeah, is so a herring fish. is like her- herring is um, it's like a type of fish. It's really smelly and gross. <laughs> and it's eaten by Ashkenazi men. So that's like, you know, men from Europe, Jewish guys from Europe. Yeah. Or. Or it's like in like Norway and Sweden. That's like all they eat. Yes. Okay. And it's really so like my father-in-law comes and like they pound herring. And like my wife doesn't even let it in the house because it stinks, but he like makes his own. I mean, it's like abhorrent for herring. It's really uh, you should never know of such things. Yes. <laughs> I-, I will avoid it. I'm good with, <laughs> with uh, I don't need to overthink a bagel. I'm good with just uh some cream cheese, that's fine. Butter is fine. I like a, egg, a bagel sandwich with an egg. Yeah, yeah, egg is fine. Uh, wh- what about egg salad? When you say egg, do you mean an omelet or egg salad? Because I'm no. fine with either well, of those. Well, I'd be fine. I feel like that uh, a bagel is probably the messiest uh, delivery system for egg salad. Um, yeah, it is It is messy, for sure. You, that's not, And it's also a little smelly, too. But like, you don't, and you're going to get it on your shirt. You know, that always falls all over the place. Right. So I don't mind the egg salad. I feel like that you could probably, there's better ways to do the egg salad than, than well, if, I, I don't know. It's, it tastes good, but still, it's, uh, it's a mess. Yeah, and also, it's like the worst. That would be the worst food to bring on a plane, a bagel with egg salad. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> they would kick you off the plane. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we go to George on the subway, and he ends up talking to a uh, a blind man on the subway. Who and George says, "I couldn't help but notice, but you're listening to a book on tape. How does he notice this?" Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. I mean, I guess he just heard it because it, it's on pretty loud. Like they're sitting next to each other on the subway. He, mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense, right? He doesn't have the book in front of him. It's not like he has the book in braille in front of him. I guess he just hears what he's saying, right? He just hears like, but how would he know? What is it like a famous book? And like, I guess there were no podcasts then. So if you just hear noise coming out of speakers that you know headphones that aren't 
a song, you assume it's a book on tape, but yeah. you're right. It is a weird thing to say. And then so the blind person says, yeah, the, it's um, that there is uh, what is the name of the place that there is a place that does reading for the blind and they will put any book as an audio book. And, you know, they sort of talk about how great they are. And the blind man says, yeah, these audio books have completely ruined me for Braille. And it gets a laugh. But I feel like, well, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, no, it is kind of a funny joke. Just the idea of like, uh, you know, the same way that some, you know, that someone who can see would say like, yeah, the audiobooks have ruined ring for me. <laughs> yeah. It's just ruined Braille for him. Okay, so we see uh, Jerry and George. And uh, now George is saying that all he has to do is go fail a uh, eye test. And then he can get into going to uh, get these books. It is a pretty good idea. I feel like, you know, how like no one's going to say, like, you're just faking being blind. Can they tell that? I don't know if they can tell that. Yeah. You know what I don't like about this uh, angle of the story is that there's no negative repercussions that come out of George uh, faking the eye test. Like, it's almost like I feel like if you're going to do that, if you're going to make George lie about the eye test and fake yeah, you know, there needs to be some sort of like, oh, somebody at the Yankees finds out now that George Costanza is blind and then he loses, you know, so, you know, there's some repercussion for this lie that he ends up taking. I feel like that that is yeah. the traditional Seinfeld formula. You're right. In this episode, the show is endorsing lying to pretend to be blind. Right. Like he should have his driver's license revoked or something like that. Yeah, that would be good, actually. Driver's license revoked. He can't get to the. uh Singles event, <laughs> something, something like that. I mean, he doesn't need to be at the singles event, but there should be, uh, you know, something that comes up where I, I, I don't know, uh, but maybe, um, or, or maybe that, that, you know, that maybe uh, that he uh, ends up at the end where you know he picked up the wrong folder. Maybe he, you know, well, he is, you know, legally blind, so uh, people uh, end up like it, it should come up in some way. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, picking up the wrong folder, it could be or. Yeah, he could blame it on his blindness. That, I mean, that wouldn't that wouldn't that would make the blindness even like <laughs> it would better. More, it would like right. reinforce it, but at least that break it comes up again at the end. Right, Keith. I realized that I uh, skipped one part where uh, we got to see Jerry on the date with Abby, and they met Cynthia, her mentor and her boyfriend, who turns out to be none other than Kenny Banya. Yeah, the least realistic thing I've ever seen in Seinfeld. Is Abby's IMDb claiming she was born in 1974? Oh, Keeve. <laughs> she yeah. was in like Baywatch in 1991. If she's telling the truth, then Baywatch has a lot of explaining to do. Yes. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's let's not age shame Abby uh, the mentee. No. Okay. So what, right. what what about the mentor dating uh, <laughs> dating? Oh, no, no. Who is who was this, uh, born in 1974? The mentor or Abby? No, the mentee. The mentee. Okay. Yes, Abby. Yeah. So she uh, would be 22. I guess it's possible. I take it back, Abby. Yeah. All right. So what about Banya dating the mentor? Yeah. By the way, Abby is a countess now in England. She's like has a ro- she's like royalty. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, the, Banya dating Cynthia. I feel like Cynthia is kind of sticking the mud. She really works well with Banya. That relationship makes sense. <laughs> okay. So Jerry is telling George he doesn't know if he can date a woman who takes advice uh, from a mentor who is dating Banya. How could she date someone who voluntarily hangs out with Banya. 
yeah, no, it doesn't make sense. Like the any anyone who wants to like who wants to be in the same room with Banya, you immediately lose respect for. Keith, when was the last time we saw Banya? Ooh, um, I think we saw him in season seven, right? I mean, he's in the Soup Nazi. Is that the last time we saw him? Uh, very possibly. Yeah, I think I think we have not seen him since Soup Nazi, which is now over a full season away because I think that's the fifth episode of season seven. We're in the sixth episode of season eight. Okay, so- all right, so. They open up the door to Jerry's apartment as George is on his way to his eye test and sees Frank Costanza leaving Kramer's apartment. And so, uh, first off, uh, you know, the first appearance of Frank Costanza here in a uh, great episode for him. He gets on George's case. He says, uh, what are you wearing? An athletic sweatsuit? Yeah. I mean, George is one of the, you know, in, in the 90s, he, he was like the only person left who thought it was acceptable to like just wear sweats mm-hmm. outside. Yeah. I mean, now it's acceptable again, but like for a while it wasn't. Yeah. And so uh, Frank Costanza was picking up the check for the banquet hall uh, for the uh, Knights of Columbus. And so uh, they're both smoking these like uh, victory cigars. Yeah, I guess they, they made a big deal here. And, uh, you know, I, I just love the idea of like Frank hanging out in Kramer's apartment. Yeah, uh, no, it's very, very fun. And so Kramer has a lot of cooking to do. And uh Frank is asked by Kramer, do you want to help me cook? And Frank Costanza just like has some uh, PTSD that we'll learn about later. He like runs away. He like slams into the door. He doesn't know anything about cooking. Yeah. All of the Jewish delicacies that they mention that so far they mentioned Timis, which is like the grossest thing on earth. They used to serve it in the summer camp I went to and literally no one would ever touch it. And like for years, I was always wondering like, why do they still make it every week? If no one ever touches it. Um, it's like a carrot dish. It's gross. But they mentioned something here. Kramer says 183 people. That's a lot of pupkits. That's not a word. <laughs> yes. I'm, ass- I'm assuming I asked a bunch of people what they think he was trying to say. Yes. I'm assuming that he was saying he was trying to say pupics, which is, uh, I think, Yiddish for literally it's a belly button, but it is um, the chicken stomach. I think what we would call a gizzard. You know what a gizzard is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which are actually like, they're totally edible. They're, they're actually pretty good. But that was like a Yiddish delicacy. So I assume that like Michael Richard, I, either they like, the, the writer didn't know the word or Michael Richard just like accidentally misspoke and they didn't notice it and they used this take. Yeah. All right. So uh, the, there's a funny explanation of their asking George about what's going on. Uh, with Frank and George explains that his dad was a cook in the Korean War. Something bad happened. And Kramer asked, was he shell shocked? And George says, uh, oh, yeah, but that has nothing to do with it. <laughs> yeah. Shell shock, um, other than being a Ryback's finishing move, I think is um, what they used to call PTSD. Nobody calls anything shell shock anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. PTSD. That's right. the same way like concussions used to be like, oh, he's got a stinger. Yeah. He got his bell rung. And now it's like we just call it concussion. Jacked up. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yes. Okay. So uh, we go to Elaine's meeting and uh, Eddie is there and uh, he's upset. He Nobody's asked him about his ideas. Um, so Eddie pitches Elaine on. It's a hot night. The mind races. You think about your knife. The only friend who hasn't betrayed you. The only friend who won't be dead by sunup. Sleep tight, mates. In your quilted chambray nightshirt. Any any Eddie sentence is absolute gold in this episode. Yeah, he's really good. Did, did he go on to do anything else, Eddie? I don't think so. Ned Bellamy. Sounds like a guy who went on to do something. Sounds good. Uh, that his future, uh, he would be in Con Air. He'd be in John, being John Malkovich. Oh, okay. Uh, 
he was. So he must be like best friends with with Nicholas Cage, and he's just in whatever. Probably. Cage. Oh no, uh, Cage is in Malkovich, is he? No, nah, John Malkovich sure. is in both those movies though, because John mm-hmm. Malkovich is in Con Air. He's in uh, 2004 Saw. Uh, he would play on Jericho, and the thing is that like a lot of his roles don't have other Wikipedia pages, so they're probably just sort of like very small parts. But there's no small parts. Yeah. yeah, that's what they tell people who have small parts, I think. Seems like uh, like he went on to like do a thing or two every year. That's a career. You pay the bills that way. Yeah. Pl- that, plus, that plus being a waiter make, pays the bills. So uh, there you go. And that's uh, Ned Bellamy. <laughs> and so uh, Elaine uh, doesn't know what to do with Eddie at this point. And so uh, she's talking with Jerry at the coffee shop. And uh, Jerry says, why don't you, you promote him again? And Elaine's like, yeah, that's right. I should. And he could stop freaking me out. I mean, at a certain point, Elaine, like, uh, yeah, I mean, what do you think? Is this a good move to promote him again? Peter principle, right? What's the Peter principle? I think you, you just uh, keep getting promoted within an organization until you get a, a job that you're not qualified to do. Um, it, like Peter Griffin? Like, who's the Peter here? Because this is what it's called. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know about it. Yeah, that's like, I would like well, I would like to be Peter principled if they want someone wants to keep promoting me. Yes, that's that's good. I mean, it's like one of the things that it talks about why, you know, big corporations, uh, you know, end up, uh, you know, not being able to uh, be very effective is that they keep promoting people until they get to a job that they really can't do very well and they don't get promoted anymore. And they just sort of just end up stuck there. Oh, what if we called it the Bowles principle? Somebody got overpromoted <laughs> yeah, yeah. to a job. They can't the Todd do Bowles just got promoted from defensive coordinator to head coach. Yes. That's good. Rex Ryan, like who got who like should have stopped at being a linebackers coach. Yes. Okay. Uh, that no more uh, Jets coaching talk. We're losing people. Uh, Herman Edwards, who was never a coordinator at any level before or after, probably got overpromoted and should have been a defensive coordinator, which he never was once. Yes. Yes. One day. One day he'll come back. All right. <laughs> Al Groh was a linebackers coach, and then he <laughs> Eve, got promoted Eve. to be a head coach. <laughs> people are getting shell shocked right now. Okay, but you did, but you did sort of make me realize that the Jets just keep over from promoting coaches. All right, yeah. let's go. Getting Art shell shocked. Okay. <laughs> oh boy, uh, the coaching reference. All right, so George is at the eye doctor. Uh, that he's faking it at the eye doctor. Uh, it turns out that his vision apparently is quite impaired uh i like the touch that he tells the doctor he's a very handsome man yeah the idea yeah right because he's not handsome yeah all right so we see jerry come home uh lots of pots and pans going on the stove uh kramer is running around and just spilling food everywhere i love the idea that kramer has got three kitchens going at once but if you notice None of them are his kitchen. It's Jerry's, it's Newman's, and it's Mrs. Whoever next door. Zamfino. Is that the woman yeah. that has the kid? I, I think it's a. I think it's the same last name, so I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, and he's really got back into her good graces there. <laughs> yes. I like that, you know, he's trying to get Jerry to eat, and uh, he says, like, oh, come on, eat, eat, your skin and bones. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the Jewish mother thing. <laughs> yes. Uh, but the food is terrible. That's the problem. Yeah. The kugel not good. The kreplach. Kreplach is uh, dumplings. It's like yes. dumplings. Yes. Uh, and Jerry says uh, it tastes like dirt. And Kramer explains, well, he did drop it on the way over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He can't chop. He can't grate. He can't mince. Uh, it's terrible uh, that he needs Frank Costanza. Yeah. There's nobody else in the city who can cook. You can't hire, you know, uh, somebody who could cook, uh, you know, for 180 people in Manhattan. It's, it's no, just it's not Frank or you're basically. Like no. Small. Small town where uh, already in this episode, 
Um, the mentor and protege have literally accidentally been eating at the same restaurant. Yeah. All right. So Abby, the protege, comes up and uh, she's talking about a double date with Cynthia and Banya. And Jerry says, no way. He's a hack. He has a 12 minute bit about Ovaltine. And Abby explains that Cynthia would not date a hack. But Jerry says, no, would, does, is. Yeah, it's hard to hear. But, you know, there's no debate that he's a hack. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we come back to Elaine at a meeting at Peterman. She explains that Eddie is not going to be joining us anymore. He's been promoted to the director of corporate development, which prompts an entire mutiny by Elaine's staff that they work so hard. And why did she promote this guy? A lot of people really willing to quit over this. Uh, you know, like, can you imagine ever quitting a job because of principle? Like what would have to happen? Peter principle? Like if I, yeah, if I came home, and uh, my wife's like, what happened? I'm like, well, I quit my job because I was mad that some other guy also got promoted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're like, sorry, I can't put food on the table this week. Yeah, but, you but know, maybe this to... was the last straw for them. I mean, Elaine's running this place into the ground. That is true. I think, uh, you know, if Peter doesn't come back soon, there's going to be no more catalog to send out. Right. So, I mean, I think that probably like to quit in a huff, though. I mean, that's the dream. But I think that you've, you, you kind of want to line up the next gig. Uh, ideally have you ever quit a job um i'm trying to think not in this way not like uh so matter of factly Mm -hmm. have you yeah i I quit uh my last teaching job yeah but you probably did it in a very nice way yeah oh yeah i can't i I waited till they found the replacement i didn't just like leave in the middle of the day yeah so i gave them i gave them two weeks like four times and they just never found this uh replacement Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) so uh we go back to george in his office uh, he's finally listening to the risk management book on audiobook, And he had said earlier in the episode that he can't read a book because the book that he hears in his head is his voice and he hates his voice. Uh, so very funny moment when he's listening to the audiobook, which is clearly Jason Alexander reading the audiobook in a, like a very annoying voice. Yeah, he's just doing like a nasal Jason Alexander. They didn't they didn't try and mask it too hard. Yes. Uh, and George even says, like, uh, like, I can't listen to this. This guy sounds just like me. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is a funny bit. I, you know, who thought of that? That's a good idea. It's very funny. OK, uh, so now we probably get to, uh, I'd say, the most iconic moment from uh, this episode. Is it maybe short of the ending. Uh, so we have this uh, scene which is shot completely different from anything else. Uh, shot very cinematically. Uh, Kramer is sitting with Frank. And uh, Kramer wants to pull the story out of Frank Costanza. What happened, Frank? I mean, it was 50 years ago. And Frank tells Kramer, you know, in my mind, there's a war still going on. And so he pours himself a shot and drinks it. Now, Keeve, is Frank Costanza drinking Hennigan's? I didn't pay attention. Is he? I, I believe that he is. That the bottle has the first three letters are clearly H-E-N. Uh, I wondered, is could this be Hennessy? But Hennessy has a uh, very, you know, specific uh, shape of their bottle. Uh, this is a green bottle with a white label. Uh, Hennessy, uh, at least the, in 2016, as we are still recording this, uh, comes in sort of a, uh, a clear bottle, uh, which has a very specific shape. So... Uh, I don't believe uh, Hennessy comes in a green bottle. Yeah, I mean, you're you're the alcohol expert here. You're my alcohol mentor. Yes, yes. Well, uh, the, you should pick a better mentor for alcohol. Uh, it would be great if it was Hennigan's. Uh, yeah, no, that would be a good bit, but I, I didn't pay attention. Yeah, but yeah, I do love that. You know, he's he's in his mind. He's still in Korea. Yeah, and so 
he ends up telling this story about uh, what happened. Uh, Keith, could you sum up the story of uh, Frank Costanza in Korea? Yeah, uh, he got a, he got a package of three weeks old uh, beef, but he thought he could cook it, and he went too far. He thought, uh, you know, he, he thought he could just you know season the taste, and and people wouldn't you know notice spoiled beef. But uh, everyone was throwing up all over the place. He sent sixteen of his own men to the latrines that night. They were just boys. Yeah, <laughs> and Bobby Colby. Uh, at a crater in his colon, which, by the way, sounds pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like really <laughs> intense. Um, so now, Keeve, was the problem that the meat was too bad? Uh, I mean, Frank Costanza says the issue was he overseasoned it. Uh, and, you, and you see him like throwing all these spices around. I mean, did the guys get sick from the, the meat being spoiled or from Frank Costanza using too much seasoning? I think they get sick either way, but like he overseasoned it so much that now it's like stuck in them forever. That like, you know, this like seasoning was so bad that it like made this vile meat even worse. Okay. All right. Yeah. And uh, Bobby Colby, uh, that he had to uh, sit on a cork on the whole 18 hour flight home. <laughs> that seems like a very 50s thing. Yeah. All right. Uh, so. Uh, Frank Stenz says he's never going to cook again. Get out of my house. Yeah, he's really he does. He really is has a PTSD slash shell shock from this. Okay, so Abby comes over. Uh, She's seen Banya's act. Uh, It was terrible. She couldn't take it anymore. Yeah, no, Jerry's definitely not wrong about that. They don't make any, you know, qualms about about Banya sucking. Yeah. So Uh, Abby has to fire her mentor. Yeah. If you can't respect uh, her boyfriend, I, I, I think this makes sense. I think like if you see your mentor out. Like if you went, you know, you saw your mentor on the street wearing like a Barney the dinosaur costume, you'd fire them. So yes. it's, it's the same thing as dating Banya. And then for the second time this season, George comes in and he's told that this is not a conversation that concerns him and he still doesn't want to leave. Abby doesn't drag George out of the door to go sit in the hallway, though. No, he doesn't get pushed outside in a chair. He chases after her. Yes, um, because uh, she can't go through life without a mentor. She needs to have one. And Jerry says he can tell her what to do, but it needs to be somebody that she can trust. So Jerry then says, "Okay, then it can't be him. Do you think most mentors just became therapists at a certain point? Hmm. No, because I think you need a degree to be a therapist. And I don't know if you need uh, a degree to be a mentor. I don't believe you do. Okay, so let me say so good mentors are therapists, right? Like more. It's probably more in vogue. More people probably in therapy now than 1996. But I think that. That it's a this is getting a little bit muddy because I, I don't think you go to a therapist because you want to be a therapist. I think that typically no, of course not. But but, it, but part of it is also just like the advice. Like she needs someone to advise her, so like the therapist can advise her. But but I also think on the other hand, the other side of this now that maybe we don't hear the words mentor and protege is life coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where like anyone who you know who wants just calls himself a life coach. And you don't need a degree for that. And so, like, maybe that a lot of the mentors now are life coaches. And then you could charge for it because the mentor protege you're not charging for. Right. Mm-hmm. Life coach is actual money, I think. I think you can charge uh, for a protege also I, I, or a protege. Like, um, I think that there are certain people, uh, you know, you get into this like uh, world of like mastermind groups and stuff like that. And I'll be your, you know, your mentor for this many thousand dollars. And, you know, and people pay it, too. I don't know. I mean, that sounds pretty crazy. I'll be your mentor for free. Well, um, <laughs> I, I, and I'm not saying that, you know, it's necessarily it's something. But if, you, if you know, um, if you found the right mentor uh, and they told you it was going to be, you know, twenty thousand dollars to be, you know, I think that you probably 
if you felt like that that person was going to get you over the hump, I think you do it. Yeah, of course. It's like, but I, I think in our contest, like the reality show, who wants to be Rob's protege? I think we're not going to charge the winner. No, no, okay we're not going to charge. I, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, but I, I do think that people do make money by being a mentor. Okay, but yeah, or you. But again, life coach, they definitely make money, right? Right, right, right. Um, do you think there should be need to be a degree for a life coach? Um, I, you know, I, I don't. It's it's an area of that I, I don't know enough about, Steve. Listen, it's 2016. You have to have a take. That's you're, that's too. You know, it's too kind to say I don't know enough about well, it. Even uh, if well, you know nothing then, about something, you, you, you know, need I'm, to have a take on it. I do apologize. It. <laughs> Sometimes I have a, a a nuanced view on things, but oh, sometimes. Man. That I'm sure there are people that are life coaches that take advantage of people and have no business giving advice mm. to people. And I bet there are some people who are life coaches who actually do have some good advice and don't have a degree. So yeah. it's, uh, you know, um, the, the, but I think both things exist. Sorry, Keith. I can't. Yeah. I to no, I, listen, to I like it. just binary you know, view of the world. I don't know if 2017 we're going to be we're even allowed to say, like, I don't know. I think yeah. you have to have a take, even if you know nothing about the subject. The hot take era. I get it. <laughs> okay. So George ends up chasing uh, Abby out of the apartment. Uh, he wants to be her mentor. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess like if she's a big Yankees fan, like why not? You know, he's a Yankees executive. He can like gussy up his resume to make him sound a lot more impressive than he is. It's not the craziest thing in the world. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we end up seeing uh, the Elaine back with Eddie. Uh, and uh, he's talking about how it's tough to keep your feet dry when you're kicking in a skull. Yeah, it's a common problem. Right. But Elaine is, uh, you know, going to work with him on tweaking that, and uh, they end up making some progress. He's got a soft side, Eddie. Yeah. He, they replace, uh, what about kicking in a skull? We could tweak it to uh, strolling through a dewy meadow. Yep. Dewy meadow. Dewy meadow. Yeah. All right. Estelle's just in one scene in this episode. And she gives Frank an omelet, uh, and he says it's dry, uh, and he says uh, it sucks, and her meatloaf is mushy, her salmon croquettes are oily, and her eggplant parmesan is a disgrace to the house. Yeah, that's so a great now, joke. I want we should, we should drop that to our wives tonight. Yeah. <laughs> your yes. eggplant parmesan. By the way, and you're, like, if you said that to your wife, I feel like you're like sleeping in the garage tonight. I mean, my I wife her eggplant parm. No, well, she doesn't make she doesn't like eggplant. Um, but uh, my wife makes meatloaf uh, once a week, and I I don't like it. I I bear like I'll only eat it if like there's nothing else to eat. Uh, and she says that well, she, that the, the the boys eat it, so she just makes. Is it. it mushy? Oh yeah, that's like a little kid food. Like little kids eat up meatloaf. Yeah. What are you gonna, What are you gonna do? But I, I don't think I've ever it. had a good meatloaf. Yeah. It's not a great, you know, maybe if like, you why is it a it, food? Like, why can't we retire meatloaf from being a food? Yeah, I think if you have some gr- decent gravy and, and so, like I, on the right circumstances, uh, meatloaf can be OK. Would you ever go to a restaurant and order meatloaf? Uh, No, because it's probably not the kind of thing that they're preparing fresh. It's like the kind of thing where, you know, they have it, you know, uh, sitting there. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like uh, meatloaf. Goodbye, meatloaf. 2017 is going to be the year the meatloaf dies. Yeah. Okay. But, well, don't the, you're talking about the food, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Sure. The food. Yes. Uh, Keith, <laughs> true or false? You have a ranking of the uh, impactful celebrity uh, passings of, of the last couple of years. I do, but I feel like people's feelings will be hurt if I rank, if I like actually read. I'm not asking you, you to release it. I just wanted to know <laughs> if there was an existence of 
said list. Yeah, uh, yeah. Tweet at me. I'll send you my. I'll send you my uh, list of the top twelve celebrities that died in uh, 2016. Can you tell us your number one for 2016? Well, I think it's got to be Muhammad Ali, probably. Muhammad Ali, number one. I mean, you if you wanted to say Fidel Castro for world impact. But, you know, people you say like Muhammad Ali, famous, most famous person in the world. Um, so I'm going to go with Ali and Fidel Castro, too. OK. All right. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if you get uh, if that's if that's uh, too hot a take. Well, Muhammad Ali was in our, you know, when we did the greatest living American bracket, he was still alive earlier in 2016 on the 32 fans podcast. Like he was on there. Um, and like I mean, Fidel Castro, obviously not American. He wouldn't have been on. He, you know, he couldn't have been on there. But uh, he like not, not only was on there, I think he made the final four or like the final eight. Wow. Okay. So, you know, he was, he's, he was a big deal. All right. Um, Keeve, then we end up with Frank Costanza really just telling off uh, Estelle and says to her uh, after she says, well, it's too bad because I'm the only one who cooks around here. He says, not anymore. Give me that spatula. I'm back, baby. <laughs> yeah, I love the I'm back, baby. And again, he hasn't cooked in 40 years, but, uh, you know, it's, it's like muscle memory. It came right back to him, I'm sure. Do you feel like Frank Costanza has changed in any way as we've gone through this? Uh, I feel like that, especially after the last episode we saw where he's going to fight Elaine. You want a piece of me? Um, I feel like that now um, he is like uh, now just doing Frank Costanza at, you know, an 11 or a 12 every scene. Yeah, I mean, the Festivus was probably will probably be the peak. Yeah. When we get there, I think I, I think there is something to it. I think it's like every episode, the writers say, turn it up one notch. Yeah, he is so over the top when he's <laughs> yelling. Uh, even the I'm back, baby. <laughs> it is true. It is true. And again, he forgets his lines. So like he's yelling them and he's probably a hard person to coach. His I don't know who's acting mentor is, but you know, <laughs> probably long gone. All right. So Abby is at George's office and uh, she wants to be George's protege. He tells her that uh, he gives her a book on risk management and she says, I'm not familiar. Can you explain it to me? He says, I'll tell you what. You read this book and see if you can explain it to me. Very earnest, this Abby. Yeah. Oh, okay. She's on top of it. All right. Uh, Jerry runs into Banya on the street and uh, the mentor saw his act. And by the she, way, Banya on the street is like the is like going to be the sequel after Billy on the street. And it's going to be much worse than much Billy. worse. And the mentor dumped him. So, um, you know, now this is interesting. So what happened? So Abby said Banya sucks. And then the mentor went to go see the uh, Banya's act. And then she dumped him. Then why didn't the mentor get back together with Abby? It's not clear. The whole relationship is a little bit fuzzy. Like you would understand if the mentor was like, no, 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 Banya is hilarious. You just don't get it. But if they both think Banya sucks, I don't know why they don't get back together. It started a fight and then she realized he sucks. But now it's like too much has come between them that, for them to get back together. OK, so Banya needs a hand with his material and he asks Jerry to help him out. Also, Abby doesn't respect her anymore because she dated Banya, like just because she broke up with him. Like she still like was dating this loser. Yeah. Um, and now. Everybody in the episode, there's some sort of mentor-mentee relationship uh, going on now. Jerry with Banya, uh, George with Abby. We have uh, Elaine with Eddie, and you know, to a lesser degree, Kramer with Frank Costanza. No, definitely that. I would say that's a mentor-mentee relationship. Yes. All right. So Frank is banging on Kramer's door, and he wants to know, do you still need a cook? Uh, and he's come on in. 
Uh, what are they talking about here? A Tefal or a Keflon? I don't know. I don't know cooking terms. Teflon, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the, I don't know if it's a spice. I thought maybe it might be a uh, uh, something in uh, Jewish cooking. But they might no, just be I, even if it was, I'm not. I'm not a Jewish cook, so I wouldn't know. Okay. All right. So Jerry's working with Banya on some new material. Of Jerry writes for him about why do they call it Ovaltine? The mug is round. The jar is round. They should call it Roundtine. Keith, I know you hate chocolate. Would you have anything with Ovaltine? Mm, I, w- I wouldn't like throw. It wouldn't be like herring, you know, where I, or like locks where I'd throw up if you tried to make me eat it. But it wouldn't be my first choice. I would eat like hot chocolate if, you know, once a, every 10 years if it called for it. Uh, it's funny also, like the complaint about Banya was that he had 10 minutes on Ovaltine. And now they're just rewriting Ovaltine jokes instead of like giving him different material. It's weird, right? Well, you got to talk about what you know. Eve. Yeah, I guess. I, right. So the problem is he has bad Ovaltine jokes. We just need to write good Ovaltine jokes. <laughs> the and problem fine. wasn't the Ovaltine. It was just the material. Yeah. Well, maybe we should get a new comedian to read the jokes. <laughs> maybe. So uh, we see a little bit more of Elaine and Eddie uh, that they're replacing hail of shrapnel and scar tissue with string of pearls and raspberry scones. Sure. I, I, feel like we, I don't know if we needed another Eddie and Elaine scene, but there it is. Yeah, I, I really like, you know, the, the Eddie and Elaine stuff. But yeah, maybe only two yeah. and three. We're, we're just not building on it. It's the same exact thing as the last time we saw them. Yeah. Okay. All right. So Jerry and Abby are back together. And Jerry is incredulous that George is revealed to be Abby's new mentor. Yeah, this is a great scene. Yes. Um, and uh, that she says, you know, your problem is you have no respect for the mentor-mentee relationship. Yeah, uh, which was true a few scenes ago, but now he has his own uh, protege. Yes, uh, Mr. Kenneth Banya. Uh, and she says, uh, well, I can't date a uh, mentor whose protege is a hack. I mean, she has so many rules. She she won't have a mentor who's dating a hack. And now she won't have a uh, boyfriend who's mentor. Like, who cares who you're mentoring? You know, it's it's fine if like you, you can judge your your mentor but you you can't judge the protege like the protege is supposed to be a loser mm-hmm. yeah like now you're supposed to like bring them to the top well she's upset about it and uh that she has a manila file folder jerry is also i'm not sure why he's writing jokes for banya in a manila file folder we've never seen jerry seemingly prepare his material in a dossier before uh yet that is uh what ends up happening and we have a little bit of uh like a police academy movie, uh, like a mix-up here with the file folders. Yeah. Uh, listen, they got to serve the joke. Yeah. All right. So Abby picks up her folder, which is actually the Banya Ovaltine folder, uh, and walks off. And so uh, Eddie and Elaine are at Monk's, and they're having some chocolate milkshakes, uh, which I thought that we sort of established that uh, sort of the sweets are for if you had a bad day. If you uh, Like when uh, Jerry eats uh, ice cream sundae, when he bombs yeah that's true but maybe they just had a long day okay long day having some chocolate shakes and i like when elaine is like so hey, let me ask you something. what's with all the fatigues and psychotic uh, imagery and he says he doesn't want to talk about it and elaine's like come on don't be a baby <laughs> yeah not not afraid of eddie anymore after spending all that time with him yeah and so it turns out he went on a couple of dates with a woman and he thought she really liked him and then things cooled off uh yeah so wait like so basically he was nor like he didn't look like this and now she dumped him and now he's like uh like an army dude it's not totally clear correct <laughs> yes yes <laughs> and he's jewish yes yes 
Uh, so uh, yeah, it, and he says, "Well, it's hard to uh, meet people nowadays, let alone uh, someone Jewish." Yeah, who knew, Eddie? Yes, who knew? Uh, Keeve, uh, what about Eddie's tattoos? Uh, any any issue for you? What with him being Jewish? Yeah, I, I don't know how. Like, how strict is that? Is that like uh, is, not is strict? That... Not strict. Orthodox people don't do it, but I, I think other people still do it. Yeah, so that's not not a. There's huge there's a myth that you can't be buried in Jewish cemetery with Jewish tat- with tattoos, but it's not true. Right. I just didn't know that you know he's you know that concerned about uh, you know meeting someone Jewish to date. Uh, I didn't know how big of a deal that is that, you know, right. No, no, maybe, maybe I listen. He had a bad day and he got a bunch of tattoos and now he regrets them. Right. Um, It should be the least. That should be the least consistent (laughs) in this episode. All right. So we go to Jewish singles night and uh, we see Banya is there, too. And uh, he ends up telling Jerry, hey, that risk management stuff you wrote for me, it's killer. (laughs) He's got all these corporate gigs now. And Cynthia took him back. I mean, what like did he give like a fifteen minute monologue and and people were just uh, eating it up? Like I, I'd have to see that to believe it, right? Yeah. Well, maybe Abby is just really gifted and she did write like some really funny stuff about risk management. That's possible. Maybe Abby like that's why she's always breaking up with people. She knows she can do better. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we also see uh, Cynthia, the mentor, talking with Eddie about how he went from the mailroom to uh, the director of corporate development. And now she's going to hire him. I don't know what she does necessarily, but she's going to hire him out from uh, Jay Peterman and double his salary. Yeah. I mean, I think she works in like equity, maybe right in the first scene. They're talking about like a finance firm and and, you know, and he mentions that Kramer worked for Brant Leland. So there's some sort of private equity type thing, possibly. Yeah. All right. And so um, then he's going to go off and quit working uh, for Elaine. And uh, meanwhile, Frank Costanza is, you know, he doesn't want to break. He's like, uh, he feels alive again. He says, I'm like a phoenix rising from Arizona. Yeah, that's a pretty good very line. Funny. Also, uh, very, very timely latkes. That's the Hanukkah food. Yes. And so, well, the Hanukkah is going to be over by the time this podcast is airing. Yeah, but not when we're talking about it. Yeah, well, doesn't matter. That's like. No, it won't be over. It won't be over when. It's, Steve, this uh, is like an episode of the, of the show that it's airing on Halloween. If they shot it on the 4th of July. Uh, it doesn't matter for the people watching the show. Yeah, but like there's no fourth wall here. Like everyone knows that we're not doing this lot. Oh, there's a fourth wall, baby. <laughs> there's a fifth wall. It's fifth it's, wall. Get right. people from stopping listening to this. Yes. Uh, and so as Eddie is quitting uh, working for Jay Peterman, he can't churn out that pointless drivel anymore. Uh, that uh, Elaine, uh, you know, ends up. Uh, what, does, what does she do? She hits him, and then uh, that's how he starts choking. I think maybe it's maybe like a mini get out push. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he starts choking, and uh, Frank Costanza ends up seeing him in the camouflage, and uh, he ends up basically going nuts and uh, flipping the table over. Yeah, really an iconic scene of the table flip, and that they in a good a good decision to like uh, you know end on the table mid flip. Yeah. Uh, we end up having a tag. Uh, George has to give his uh, prepared remarks about risk management, uh, and he starts calling it uh, Ovaltine. Have you ever had the stuff? Why is it called Ovaltine? Uh, Wilhelm very proudly uh, says, uh, there's my protege. Right. And it's worth noting, Wilhelm may have lost his mind like a season ago. <laughs> That's so. right. That's right. Um, are we to believe that George Costanza did not even check like, OK, he didn't read the whole speech, did not even like open the speech. And look to at. see what he what he like, how long it was, what's going on there until he gets to the meeting. Is it possible that he saw an earlier draft? I guess I guess it's possible, but I, I'm not sure how that would have worked in the timeline. Yeah, I don't know necessarily. Um, 
Keith, we didn't touch on this, but uh, the name, the fatigues. Do you like that for the name of this episode? No, it's really bad. It's no. almost as bad as last week. No, I don't care for it at all. What would have been a better title? I mean, the protege, right? The protege or the mentor is, is the one that works. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, either of those would have been fine. We don't have anything else that's similar uh, to no. that. I mean, you could do the oval team, but maybe that's like product placement. But yeah, the mentor, or the protege are the obvious A and B thing. You know, either one is is uh, it works very well. Uh, the Jewish singles night. Yeah, you could do that. Everyone would know what episode you were talking about if you said that. But I think mentor protege is easier to say. And like, it's, you know, what we start with. It, definitely. It should be the mentor. Yeah. I mean, uh, you can't get much better. I, I prefer the protege. I think that's a funnier word. Yeah. Protege is a funnier word. But uh, mentor. Yeah, that's I think that's good. All right. Well, Kiva, uh, let's talk through uh, the grades for this episode. Uh, what about Jerry as the mentor of Anya? <laughs> I mean, it's pretty funny. Love to bring Banya back. Uh, you know, he has got the great line where, you know, where he says, like, well, I won't date someone, you know, who's who's being uh, mentored by uh, by Costanza. Yeah. Um, so I'll give I'll give Jerry an A minus here. Really solid. Yeah. I feel like that the thing that was iconic for me is always the Ovaltine. Why do they call it? Uh, you know, the, the 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 mug is oval or the the mug is round. The the can, the canister is round. Um, so I, I give uh, I'll say a B plus for Jerry. OK. Um, then what about what's going on with George and, uh, stealing away the protege? Yeah. The last scene is pretty good. Stealing away just fine. I mean, we're not giving George credit for what his dad does. His dad gets a higher grade than he does. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll give, I'll give George a B. Yes. Um, a B. Yeah. I'll give him a B plus that there's a lot of funny stuff. Um, you know, stealing away the protege is okay. Uh, but you know, the book on tape thing is pretty funny. Um, so very good stuff. What about Elaine with Eddie? Yeah, I really like Eddie in this in this episode. You know, it's really like the D storyline, but I like Eddie in a small dose. If we saw more of him, I, I you know maybe I wouldn't like it as much. But I'm I'll give Elaine uh, an A minus here. Yeah, I feel like that the Eddie stuff is uh, is fine. Yeah, you know I feel like uh, it's also a a B plus for me. Okay. Very consistent across the board. And what about Kramer with the Jewish singles night? Um, I I really like it. I love the the Frank flashback. If you're giving him credit for Frank stuff, it's definitely an A. Yes. You, know, you have to give an A for all the Frankenstein stuff. So overall, this grades out pretty high, Keeve. Uh, yeah, it's a good episode. I would say, though, uh, hmm, I'll guess ultimately that... Maybe the finished product is not greater than the whole is is not turned out to be higher than the sum of its parts. Uh, I'll say that you went with uh, 60 for this episode. OK, you're a little low. I actually it's in my top 50. I have it at 44. There you go. 44. All right. Well, good stuff. Let's get into the email mailbag uh, from this week from the fatigues. And uh, we should start off with Johnny DeSilvera. Any idea why it says Yount on Eddie Sherman's army uniform? Yeah, I think my my theory is that, you know, she says, why do you have all the military stuff? She says, well, a guy broke up with me. He didn't go to the military. He just bought this at a at like a at like a thrift shop. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's a pretty easy answer. Yeah. Uh, Dan, the benefactor says uh, you wouldn't argue too much if I gave the MVP award of this episode to Frank Costanza, right? Kramer, Elaine, Eddie are great. But I feel he has to go to Frank which by my estimation would be the first MVP award he has won thus far in the series. Is this his biggest episode? Yeah, uh, so far, it's definitely, t- you know, I mean, I love when he's yelling at Steinbrenner about the trade when he comes to him, George is dead. Uh, to me, this is actually a big missed opportunity because we should have been giving out this MVP award for the last 140 episodes. 
Yeah. It's actually a very good idea, and we blew it totally. What would you call it? Um, the herring award? I mean, the, the red herring. By the way, I don't know. There is no red herring, so I don't know, like, I, you know, why it's called red herring. Unless it's like, it, the red herring to me, because herring so bad, would be like the herring that's, like, even, like, the worst thing in the movie would be a red herring, if I was naming red herring. Yes. Um, now, there, I mean, a red herring what, but what just, are we naming? Like, what are we naming the um, the the MVP award? Like, I don't know. Well, I think that, that there is no such thing as a red herring. So I think if there that uh, I'm sure I, I feel like I, I want to say it was like a, a Sherlock Holmes uh, thing where uh, like, oh, hey, there's a red herring there. That must mean something, but it doesn't mean anything. No, I think they were actually they were very stinky. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah, they would they would no. I'm reading it. They, they would uh, smoke it and it would turn red. And they didn't refrigerate it, so it was so smelly, it would lead you, you know, it would, it would like, create a false trail almost. That's what the red herring is. Okay. If you like herring, write in uh, and hashtag uh, I like herring. <laughs> Tweet at us. I'm waiting on that. Yeah, don't. Don't. <laughs> okay. Um, so, th- do you want to assign an MVP award going forward? I just think we're so far and into this. And then we this. can do it on the next rewatch, then. We yeah, can, no, then. we're going to do it on the next rewatch. That's something for people to look forward to for the second rewatch. Okay. Uh, I guess we could do it going forward if we remember it, but it is it just will be a depressing reminder that it was a very good idea that we didn't think of till Dan the Benefactor brought Who it up, uh, you know, over two, two, two and a half years into the podcast. Yes. What about Craig from Vancouver? Uh, Craig from the Couve. Uh, what Elaine does with Sherman is actually a real thing called the Dilbert Principle, oh, Dilbert created by Prince. the creator of the comic, yes. Scott Adams. Uh, it's the idea that when you want to promote the most incompetent person in the company in order to pr- minimize the damage they can cause in the company, management positions are mostly positions where you just boss people around and don't do any actual work. Yeah, Dilbert Principle, so be- better than the Peter Principle. Yeah, it's basically like the least damage someone could do is like in upper middle management, kind of. Okay. Where they're not on the floor, they're not doing something. I, I sort of like it. Um, and uh, like I don't know how that impl- implemented in. Uh, I think this happens in, the, in, in sports, Steve. Uh, I, I think that there's like sometimes it's like oh, like uh, the manager that we want to get rid of. Where per- like I feel like the Giants did this with Tom Coughlin. Well, like make him an advisor. Like John Idzik is an advisor to the Jaguars. Like how much damage can he do as an advisor to the GM? Right, but I think that you have these people where it's like okay, we want to get rid of this coach, uh, but like, he's still under contract, so we're gonna you know make him like a senior advisor or a roving instructor. Yeah, I think that's what you do. You yeah. also sometimes like people have guaranteed salaries, so you sort of have to keep them on. Yes, uh, the Jets did this also with uh, their GM before Mike Tannenbaum. Oh yeah, Terry Bradway. He was he was he got like demoted ten more times while he was still in the company. <laughs> well, I think they sort of like said, said it was a promotion, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he was at a high salary, but he had no authority. Yes. Okay. Uh, Jeff P says, I must rewatch each episode before I listen to the corresponding podcast, even though I've seen each episode more than a dozen times previously. Instead of shelling out $10 a month to Hulu, I just keep an eye on TBS and local channels, and eventually the timing is such that I can record several episodes, which will allow me to watch them before the corresponding podcast is related. Wow, this is a lot of work, Jeff. Uh, it yeah. seems like at least half the time you guys always talk about a scene that wasn't on the syndicated episode. And that's almost always at the beginning of the episode. Oh, so this goes back to last week. So, for instance, yeah. the package opens with Elaine in the doctor's office and not with the discussion on the street about walking close to the sidewalk or buildings. Anyway, my money is that on Rob's theory that it was planned to do it that way, knowing that two to three minutes would be need to be cut from each episode to fit the syndication time slot, Cave. All right. Well, that's one vote from Jeff P. Yeah, so what would they have cut in this episode? They probably would have cut the third time that 
uh, Elaine and Eddie go back. Uh, yeah, but that's only like 15 it. seconds. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, sometimes it's hard to cut and for it still to make sense. Yeah. I don't envy the cutters. That's why they speed up the, the episode also to cut less stuff. It's too hard to cut. All right. Yeah. So people who complain about the uh, the speed of the episode, but they probably do both. Uh, just knowing the uh, syndication game. Key. Yeah, they got to squeeze those commercial bucks in. It's like 18 minutes a show, 12 <laughs> minutes a commercial. Right. Not that I know the syndication game. I really I, I, I know from watching TV. <laughs> Yeah, I do need a syndication mentor if someone out there knows the syndication game. Well. Okay, what about... You think Steve uh, Bannon's available? No. All right. <laughs> He's busy. Caleb. Yes. With Elaine being the manager of the catalog, why wouldn't she want to meet everyone that she's in charge of? How does she not know who runs the mailroom? Listen, she's a terrible boss. Like, she doesn't know anything that's yeah, going on in this Terrible manager. She's driving it to the ground. Right. Uh, Pat in Ohio says, why didn't Kramer just hire a catering service for the Jewish Singles Night? In a small town like Manhattan, I'm sure there's no lack of caterers specializing in Jewish cuisine. Yeah, we're on the same page with that, Pat. Yeah, we, we agree. I, I feel like, uh, listen, he wanted to keep the profits for himself. Like, is he really paying Frank here? To, like, Frank, he's do- Frank is doing, you know, he's doing Frank a favor. He's bringing him back into the cooking game. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Matt in Massachusetts also says, uh, I found Frank's freak out at the end a bit premature. In the flashback, we clearly see that the entire unit was vomiting. And at dinner, only one person, Eddie, was coughing. Could he have not taken the time to take a quick glance at the rest of the dining room to see that everyone else was enjoying the food? That's not how the shell shock works. Yeah, there's don't don't put logic in there. Right. You know, he's he's shell shocked. He has PTSD. He sees one person. You got to make a snap decision. Like if everyone's going to throw up, and you can't send the whole Jew, you know, two hundred Jewish singles to the latrine. That'll be a disaster. Right. I mean, if somebody's having one of these flashbacks, you can't like just shake them and say like, hey, look, can't you see you're not nom right now, man? Like, oh, yeah, you're right. Or Korea or Korea or anything. You know, I do like also it's the same Frank and like they didn't even try and like age him down. He's still like the same 75 year old man. (laughs) Right. They did not use some sort of CGI technology to try to create a younger version of Jerry Stiller or or, like just got Ben Stiller. for. They should have Ben Stiller. I mean, that would have been great (laughs) if they would have done that. Yeah, uh, that would have been really is, funny. But it, but it is very funny to see Jerry Stiller in the career. Like, I, I don't think they should have changed No, it, it doesn't but. take you out of it at all. You're not thinking about that. Also, it's only 40 years. It's not like 60 like it is now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what about Lindsay? Uh, Lindsay wants to know, uh, Rob, as a proponent of the audiobook, do you now find yourself unable to read a real book? Yes. I'm not so into the audiobooks. I just feel like I could be reading more and I want the other guy to read it for her. Yes. Um, that I, I just feel I can multitask uh, and read an audiobook. Like, I feel like I would never... Like uh, that, I feel like that that would be too indulgent just to sit there. Sit there. Well, like, I'm, what do I have? Like, you know, uh, you know, fifteen free hours to read a book. <laughs> Rob comes out anti-reading. I love it. I'm not anti-reading. I'm sure there is. It's just a waste of time. I get it. I get it. I get it. Yeah. You, you let you let. <laughs> um, she also right. wants to know that if I was going to an event promising Jewish delicacies, what would I most want to see? Uh, if Kramer's food wasn't so bad, how would the spread measure it up? So the foods they mentioned this episode, like other than the fake one. Um, Hamantaschen is a is a specific hol- a food for a specific holiday that's in March, so it's very bizarre that they would just be eating it there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, I like I, I would I'm okay with kreplach. I, I what would I like? I don't. I, I the thing is, if you had a Jewish singles event, it wouldn't be Jewish food. You know what I mean? Like you could get that at home. It would be like Chinese food, or it would be you know deli, or it would be you know Thai food. You know what I mean? You don't have to have Jewish food just because it's a it's a Jewish singles event. So that's like a little bit of uh, anachronism type thing. Yeah. Now, is Lindsay offering to bring you Jewish delicacies at some event 
by the way that this was oh worded. oh i see i feel like people are always trying to cook for me because they know yeah I again love food. Like she says, Ariel's if you were like, to go stuff. to an event promising mm-hmm. jewish delicacies what delicacies would you most want to see okay oh i'll send you a list Lindsay. okay uh don't don't send shalant that won't work that doesn't work in the uh if, if, if it doesn't doesn't travel well okay all right uh keith and then we have uh one final email from chester no he says no, 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 i no. i love the giant no. cross and painting no 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 chester no he's banned oh he's we're not banned. gonna read his email well he suspend i he's he did something uh inappropriate on the uh on the the 32 fans podcast and uh i i told him to edit something and he didn't and and he's he's suspended right now from that podcast and i guess from this one too yes, yes. no chester um wow yeah, okay. I don't. I don't want to hear from him. He's dead to me right now. So we, we can't even ask his question. No, nah, I don't. I, there's no. It's not even a good question. He, yes. Okay. If it was a good <laughs> question, would you relinquish? What, what does he have to do? It wouldn't be Chester. What does he have to do to get back on the question asking bandwagon in 2017? I think he's got to sit out the next podcast we do on 32 fans. You're suspending him for how many weeks? One it's week like a or one Martin quarter, a quarter thing? of the podcast. It's like a, it's like a Sheldon Richardson type thing. Okay. The first quarter, if we do an hour, the first 15 minutes of the next podcast, he. I mean, he's still got to be there. I don't know how to edit it or record or anything. He's got to do that stuff. But he yes. can't talk. Yes. Uh, and then he's got to Venmo me $55. $55 to be unsuspended from this podcast. Unsuspended. You know, Goodell. That ultimately, like Goodell does that sort of thing, right? It goes to charity. I'm moving my fingers in quotes. Right. Uh, but, but can he appeal <laughs> and get the uh, suspension reduced? I mean, he'd probably be his own lawyer, so he probably won't get it reduced. But he can appeal. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, Keith, I feel bad about the Joe McEwing thing. Let me just, I'll just give a hint that, uh, that I, <laughs> that, uh, I, I, that I, I know, uh, a person who, uh, says allegedly Joe McEwing has something in common with Rex Ryan. Uh, again, that, oh that, 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 oh, to keep the thread missed. of NFL. Head no, coaches. you should have not tell, told us that. I feel like now I'm not going to sleep tonight. Yeah. Okay, well, you don't know what it is. Okay. Okay. Is he a bad football coach? Joe McEwing? <laughs> Terrible. Okay. Yes. All right. So, uh, Keeve, what else? Yes. What else? Uh, so, what's the, the hashtag? We start off with so many, uh, so many hashtags uh, at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Did you write any down? Because I know yeah. I didn't. Uh, hashtag. Uh, it's raining mentors. Hashtag. Yeah, that's good. Uh, commentor. <laughs> I like it's raining mentors. That's pretty. That works. <laughs> raining mentors. All right. Uh, if people want to apply for the position of my mentor or protege, I guess let me know. Oh, could you imagine if we had like a if you got a protege and a mentor out of this? Oh, that'd be really fantastic, right? Yeah, I mean, does the does the mentor have to be a podcaster though? Um, not necessarily. But as a what about? Creator. I think it has to be like an entrepreneur slash like small business owner. I think that yeah. like as long as. Yeah, I'm into it. I mean, I mean, I'm who's your it. ideal? What about like Gary V? If he wanted to mention, oh, that would, I mean, would that please, be your I mean, that's ideal? what I'm saying. Like, uh, you know, that, forget about it. He he wouldn't even take me as a protege. Nah, I think you're beyond hope. I don't think he'd take you. Yeah, no, he wouldn't. No, take I'm just you. kidding. I think he's just too busy. He wouldn't. Take um, you. but no, he is. Uh, you'd end up talking about the Jets the whole time. It wouldn't help anybody. Yeah, it would be. But uh, look, I take it. Um, um, all right, but yeah, we're we're accepting uh, we're accepting uh, mentor roles for uh, Rob and um, or I guess protege roles for your solid protege isn't bad either because that's sort of like uh, you know that I mean it's a it's a win win relationship because that then totally the, pro, the protege sort of like lights the fire it's like yeah you remind me of when I'm a, like I'm reinvigorated by my protege totally and if they and if they pass you it's like oh no I gotta like up my game because I don't want to be passed yeah, by it my ends protege poorly usually that's usually uh you know where the protege feels like what do I need your help anymore and they go off on their and own they, and then you resent them they get their own protege yeah I wonder if there's ever been a mentor protege that's flipped the script and become the 
like now it's now like I'm the mentor and you're the protege. That would be crazy. Uh, I don't know. Like Belichick and Parcells. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, Parcells was never his like D coordinator. But if that ever happened, that would be yeah. crazy. Yeah, that would be that would be good. Um, all right. So, uh, Keith, we could go on and on and talk about all the NFL. Uh, co- Are you still podcasting on Black Monday or or uh, that you're not going to do that anymore? Yeah, but the problem is everyone, the, I, the you know, the Christmas creep, which is like, you know, the Christmas stuff happening in October yeah. has led to coach getting fired creep where all the coaches get fired too early for a fun podcasting about it. Yeah. I know. But yeah, we'll we'll do it. I you know, I do love people are like, why do you celebrate when coaches get fired? They make like four million dollars a year. We're allowed to make like if this was like a worker at Walmart, I would not celebrate their firing. But right. You make four million dollars a year. I can like make a joke about you getting fired. OK, fair enough. All right. Uh, Keith, great stuff. Thanks so much to Scott St. Pierre, uh, who has to listen to all of this nonsense and then uh, edit it down to so that it's slightly less nonsense for you. So, of course, uh, thanks so much uh, to Scott. and Thanks so much to Mike Moore, who uh, does outstanding work writing the recaps of each and every episode. Keith, what's coming up next week? Uh, Next week, we have the um, checks. Checks. We got the checks. We have Carl Fardman. We have uh, Desperado. We got the umbrella twirl. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of fun. I really think, you know, people, a couple of people emailed me this week. They said, uh, as of now, season eight, it's their number one season. Boom. There you go. All right. Uh, Seinfeld at post show recaps is the email address. If you want to get the new year started in the right way, you can go ahead and leave us some feedback on iTunes as well. Post recaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. Keith, anything else going on? No, I think that's it. Uh, you know, say goodbye to 2016. Great year for, uh, some bad year for others and good year for the podcast. A good year for the podcast. Uh, 2017 will be, I guess even better, especially if you hate it because it's dying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess it's not dead. What if, what if we stopped in like, um, you know, September? We don't do the podcast anymore. And then like five years later, we just like post a random episode. Hmm. About what? Just like a throwback to something? Just because what happens is like a lot of times you delete the feed from your when a podcast is done. I don't know if you listen to any podcast that that uh, like just stop that get canceled or get finished. And like so you delete it. But sometimes you forget and like, it's like it just shows up. It's like it's coming back from the dead. You're scared. Like what? Yeah. That up. Yeah. Show big mortis. So. Right. So maybe we'll, it'll be like a two minute episode. We'll just like scare people into like deleting it from. Boo. Their, uh, right. Feed. Right. OK. Good stuff. Uh, thanks so much for listening and a uh, very uh, happy new year to everybody uh, who made it this far to the uh, the few of you who uh, could manage to make it to the end of one of these podcasts. Uh, happy new year. Take care, everybody. I'm going. Bye. <laughs> 